When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going, but there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S.com. In the summer of 1977, New York City was in a total state of panic. For months, a mysterious killer calling himself the Son of Sam had conducted a series of murders of innocent bystanders, all while claiming to be carrying out the wishes of demons ordering him to kill. In a series of letters to the police, he promised to kill again while taunting the police, whose Omega task force had been completely ineffective at finding this killer. As the panic took over the city, New Yorkers refused to leave their homes and even changed their appearance to avoid looking like the killer's victim. Will the city survive the spree of this crazed demonic killer? Betches Media presents Not Another True Crime Podcast. It's all fun and games until someone gets hurt. We're here. It's past 1977. Safe to say we did survive. So we made it, guys. We made it. We made it to our hot girl summer of 2021, which God bless. Oh, my gosh. God bless. Indeed. I feel like I'm starting to have like social events again. It's actually a little uh, intimidating. It's intimidating and overwhelming and it's throwing me off my axis i think because now i don't know i forgot how to plan like i don't really want to go to stuff no but you feel like you have to it's i just want to sit in the park (laughs) i just want to sit inside in air conditioning (laughs) that oh that i know i need to like start putting in my air conditioner in like all the rooms oh do you need to do that right now yeah well i have it in my bedroom and then i just i need to put it like in the office um but this also brings me back to pre-corona times because i'm just sitting here sweating while recording because I, I can't turn on the AC. I can't turn on a fan. That is actually, people don't tell you the hardest part of podcasting is having to turn off your air conditioning to do it. Because I've literally been toying with that tweet for days of like, yeah. oh, people love to make fun of podcasters, but you try sitting in a room for an hour with no air while you just talk. I'm dripping. And that's why we, I, I can't say that's an excuse for us. I mean, we do lose our mind just in general, but the heat definitely oh, yeah. adds an element to it. Oh yeah. At least I can crack a window unlike our old studio. So that one was, that was a dungeon. We're moving up. We're moving on up and we're moving to a big case today. Yeah, it is a nightmare. Um, (laughs) We're talking about the son of Sam. And also, first of all, I have to say, I definitely thought son of Sam was some kind of like biblical reference. It seems biblical AF. I did too. I literally thought I was like, I guess there's like, the prodigal son, there's a son, yeah. there's a moon. You know what I mean? You know, like the Sailor father, moon. son of Sam, yeah. the Holy Ghost, something. The Holy I don't dogs. Know. We'll get into that. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, no, it was def- this is definitely not what I was expecting. No. So that's super fun. <laughs> We're learning with you all. We're learning with you all. Truly, truly. So, I mean, let's just let's just get right into it. 
the son of Sam, a.k.a. David Berkowitz. No spoilers here. I mean, everybody knows who this guy is. He (laughs) he was born Richard David Falco on June 1st, 1953 in Brooklyn, and his birth parents weren't married and they split before he was born. So they put him up for adoption. He ended up being adopted by Pearl and Nathan Berkowitz from the Bronx. And they name Pearl. Pearl, I know you don't see that much anymore. No, let's bring it back. Yes. And so basically then after they adopted him, they switched his first and middle names and then gave him their last name. Hence, David Richard Berkowitz. So he was I mean, this this part, this early bio is like from the book, serial killer warning signs, pretty much verbatim. (laughs) Yeah, truly like all the warning signs. But I mean, they didn't they didn't have the warning signs back then. But just being able to look back in hindsight, it's like, oh, yeah, all all the signs were there. Not one of those situations where like, oh, this guy. It's like I never saw it coming for this one. You're like, oh, this track. Yeah. Yeah. Go on. So um, speaking to some of those, David was a difficult and sometimes violent kid. Um, He had a reputation around the neighborhood for being hyper and a bully. But I feel one of those things is not like the other. Yeah, well, I guess if you're like very, you're like jumping up and down to punch people. So that's what I kind of. I guess that's true. I'm like, you know, the kid has too much pixie sticks. Doesn't make him a serial killer. (laughs) And I feel like pixie sticks back in like the 60s were just cocaine. So. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) It was in the Coca-Cola and it was in the pixie sticks. It really was. (laughs) Um, And then also David had, had above average intelligence, but he really didn't try at school. And then um, in 1967, his adoptive mother died of breast cancer. And then he just kind of like started to his behavior declined. It got more erratic. Um, And then also his behavior got worse when his adoptive dad remarried in 1971 and moved to Florida without him. And like, I don't know, I'm kind of like, I can understand why that would make you erratic. I mean, he was 18 (laughs) at this time, but that's still rather harsh. Yeah, it's not the it's not the best feeling. Yeah, right. It's like, oh, now you're literally alone in New York. And so around this time, he was 18. So he joined the army um, and he was apparently a very good marksman, which is a little bit of foreshadowing, as we like to say. A lot of ways. Yeah. And he actually was honorably discharged in 1974. So like, no, no real uh, events there. Uh, Yeah, kind of just came and went. Yeah, I think... I don't know. I feel like something must have happened in the army because when he got out, then he ended up tracking down his birth mother, Betty Falco. She told him about his birth father and also that he had died. Um, and I think that really upset him. Because it, every it's like that weird situation, or not even weird situation, awful situation. Every parental figure sort of in his life is either disappearing, dead, or leaving yeah. him. Yeah. Yeah. That's talk about, I mean, abandonment for sure. Oh, yeah. And so then also around this time, according to his diary, um, Berkowitz set some 1500 fires in New York in the mid 70s. I know that's like obviously not a good thing, but I feel like that was a thing that just happened a lot back then, too. People just lit up ga- like uh, trash cans, right? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I mean, I feel like that's a big serial killer thing. It's like the killing the animals, arson, bad wedding. <clears throat> that's true. It's- missing adds literal fuel to the literal fire. <laughs> yeah, it just it doesn't paint a good picture. And then um, it wasn't really long after that where he started attempting some crimes. Um, so in 1975, he tried to kill two women by stabbing them with a hunting knife. One woman was named Michelle Foreman, and the other victim has actually never been identified. Thankfully, both survived, but this was his first sort of attempt at 
I mean, who knows what? Who knows what? And exactly. No I mean, we kind of know what. But we, we know what because we're yeah. about to get into the what of the what uh, situation. Yep. So, of course, there's not millions of documentaries and books about someone who just had two attempted murders who did not did not go well or did not uh, carry through. So in January 1976, he moved to Yonkers, which where I was going to move to. Yeah, that's where you're yeah. going to move with your wine in your house. <laughs> I'm like, okay, foreshadowing. Um, he later said that the neighborhood dogs, again, this kind of tracks for what was going to be with my uh, future home in the Yonkers. No. So he said that the neighborhood dogs were possessed by demons and were ordering him to murder attractive young women. And he also began to see his neighbors as demons. So he just was seeing a lot of stuff. <laughs> One of his neighbors named Sam Carr, clock that name, just because I do kind of like the last name Carr, uh, had a black lab, uh, Labrador who Berkowitz believed was a quote unquote ancient demon communicating through the dog who was telling him to kill. So this was like the the the, the big cheese of the it's dog. Like, whoa, we've just gone biblical skirt. Oh, yeah. now we're, oh, it's a demon dog. I had literally no idea when I first started looking into this. I, I don't know why Son of Sam just also just sounds so biblical. I, I was like, oh, that must be a revelation thing. I don't know. I didn't get to that. Book. And there was a, why am I blanking the name now? There was a movie I watched about it that I really liked more than a documentary. We can get into that later. Uh, but it was, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, but he would later recant the whole demon dog situation. Uh, but in July 29, 1976, he walked up to Donna Laria, who was 18, and Jody Valenti, who were sitting in Valenti's car and fired three shots at them. Laria was killed instantly, but Valenti survived. And then uh, she gave a description that matched a statement made by her father, who saw a man sitting in a yellow car. So there were some eyes going on. Other neighbors reported seeing the yellow car driving around the neighborhood that night. So a lot of people were able to take note. Also, because like you're in Yonkers, I feel like it's like a smallish, you know what I mean? It's like not. I don't actually know if this was in Yonkers because a lot of the shootings took place around Queens and oh, maybe true. one in Brooklyn. So I, I forgot to know where that took place. And which was extra creepy was um, a lot of these happened like near where I grew up. Ooh, like I'm not far from Bayside. Like we would go out there all the time, and like even flushing is not that far. Oh, that's that's creepy. It's always creepy. Ugh. I gotta ask my parents. Like what? Well, they probably were on. around. Like right. I mean, like they like, actually they could have been in college. Oh, that's true. I'll ask. Okay, we'll find out. We'll get. We'll we'll brain check. That. We will. Yeah, and um, but what we will not brain check on is telling you more information. Like on October twenty third. In 1976, uh, where Berkowitz attacked Carl De Niro and Rosemary Keenan in Flushing, Queens, like Sarah was saying. They were also just sitting in their car, which was parked. When the windows shattered, uh, Rosemary started the car and drove off, only to realize that Carl had a bullet wound in his head. Uh, which I also say, that is impressive for Rosemary, because I don't know if my fight or flight instincts would have kicked in in that moment. I know when you're watching the movie and you're like, why don't you just start the car? And then everyone's right. like, ah, and their hands shaking. Well, I mean, like, I... I don't think I'd be cool under pressure uh, oh, at all. No, I would just be flailing. Yeah. I'm not even cool when I just try to put my keys <laughs> in the door normally. Like, who am I kidding? Yeah, I'm not cool with no pressure. <laughs> so yeah. there's that. Yeah. Legit. So they both survived but couldn't identify the shooter. Uh, the police identified the gun as a 44 caliber gun. And that was the same type that was used on Donna and Jody. Uh, police uh, did not put two and two together at first because... The crimes happened in different boroughs, so they're not... And also, I, I don't 
know how common this gun is. You know what I mean? I don't know if that's the first thing you trace to. Yeah, I have no idea. Yeah. Uh, and then after that, so we had uh, July, then October. And now this is just a, a, only a few days over a month over in November 27th of 1976. He attacked 16-year-old, another Donna, Damasi, and 18-year-old Joanne Lamino. Got something against Donna's. They were sitting on Joanne's porch in Belrose, Queens, and a man in like military outfit approached them and started to ask for directions, which you would assume just kind of normal, uh, before taking out a revolver and shooting at them. Both ended up ultimately surviving, but Joanne was paralyzed. A lot, so yeah, uh, the girls and neighbors gave witness descriptions to the police and they came up with a composite sketch. And I feel like any person who has listened to more than one true crime podcast can connect the dot SVU style, what type of gun was used. <laughs> A forty-four caliber. So the yep. same as all the other ones. Uh, January 30th, 1977, Christine Friund and John Deal were sitting in his car in Queens when the car was shot at. What is sitting in car? I guess you're just it's, like... Yeah, I mean, he would go after, like, couples sitting in cars and, um, like, women with long, dark hair. That's like, yeah, just... It's a weird uh, Venn diagram, I guess, if you will. Yeah. So... Um, John suffered minor injuries and Christine unfortunately did die at the hospital. They didn't see the shooter, but police finally was able to about almost a year later, connect all the shootings. And they realized that the shooter used a 44 caliber gun and was going after young women like Sarah said with long, dark hair. When the composite sketches were released, NYPD initially said they were looking for multiple shooters though. Which is going to come back in the end if you watch the documentary. So shout out to you. If you made it through. (laughs) Oh my God. I, I did in name, but like in knowledge, I seriously did not because I feel like I just I could own I couldn't actively watch the whole thing. Like I yeah. had to passively watch it. I was like, my Netflix ended. So you know what I mean? I got I did play another, play another, play another, yes, play another. Yeah. Exactly. I got through to the end. I mean, I think I kind of watched the last episode and the first one the most oh, um, yeah. intently. And the first one I was just very confused because I thought that it was gonna I mean, guys, we're moving the documentary discussion to the middle. I'm sorry. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I thought this was going to give me like the whole history of the son of Sam. And then they kind of just glossed over it in the first episode. And I was like, yeah. wait, I have I have a lot of questions. I, I feel I like it's hard to watch Netflix documentaries about something that you don't already know about. That's the thing, because they they make it for like people who are like, I guess, like savants of the topic already and not people yeah. who are like, oh, let me learn more about this, which I don't get. Right, that. right, right. And then we got into like, Possible conspiracy theory town. And then the end was just sad. So, yeah. But uh, so let's, con- so we'll, we'll uh, get some more thoughts on that later. But right now we're back at March 8th, 1977. A Columbia student, Virginia uh, Voskirchian, uh, was shot while walking home from class. I hope I said that right. Uh, she eventually died of a gunshot wound to the head. And that's also a common thing. They're all being shot in the head. Incidentally, she lived one block from Christine uh, Friand, uh, who we mentioned earlier, and witnesses saw a short, husky teenage boy sprinting from the scene, but he was later determined to be a witness. I also would have like hated, like, who's the short, husky kid? You're like, oh, the short, husky witness. kid. What the fuck? <laughs> I know. Oh my God. Like 40 years. Li- How many years is that? I'm going to say 40, and I don't want anyone to correct me because I'm not ready for that. Um, he's still being described as a short husky yeah. teenage oh, you're boy. The SH. Yeah, like sh- uh, <laughs> the police were actually able to recover a bullet from this crime scene, 
that matched the bullet from, shockingly, one of the previous murders, and they finally caught on to the fact that it was a single killer responsible for all these murders. The police organized Operation Omega. They love... Ooh, they I wonder love why a, they called it that. Right. Yeah, right. Probably because of alliteration. Because uh, of what? <laughs> alliteration. Yeah. I mean, what's the Greek... Sy- like, I know the Greek symbol Omega, but I don't know what that means. I know I the Omega Diner. Great place. Oh, yeah. Shout out. Uh, so they did that to track the killer down, which included 75 detectives and more than 200 uniformed officers. Jesus Christ. That just seems like a lot. That's like an entire subway. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, true. Yeah. In April 17th, 1977, Alexander Sao and Valentina Suryami were sitting in a car in the Bronx where they were both uh, shot and killed. Police found at this one, though, a handwritten note addressed to the captain of the NYPD at the crime scene. And it read, <clears throat> it read, I say goodbye and goodnight, police. Let me haunt you with these words. I'll be back. I'll be back. To be interpreted as bang, 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 bang. Ugh. Yours in murder, <laughs> Mr. Monster. It literally says that. I know. It literally says, ugh, all caps, two exclamation points. Like he was exhausted that he had to write the letter. I know, right? He's like, come on. Like, ugh, yours in murder is also kind Yikes. of cracking me up. I mean, it's I'm shocked that was never one of our sign offs. I know. I think now it should be. Or is that too dark? Let uh, us know. Too. DM yeah, us. Know. Yeah. DM us yours in murder or we'll just put it on like little greeting cards. No, that's probably too dark. When it comes to the plant based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going, but there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S.com. Okay, so, and then this, like, the letters just keep becoming more of a thing. So, at this point, the police have a profile. They're looking for someone who's neurotic, potentially suffering from paranoid schizophrenia, who believes he's possessed by demons. Um, And then, basically, on April 29th is when Sam Carr's black Labrador retriever was shot. So, Berkowitz had sent him a threatening letter about the dog before the incident. And good news, the good boy recovered. But then also Berkowitz began sending weird letters to other neighbors. And that's how they started to suspect him being the son of Sam, which is actually pretty fucking crazy because I feel like in New York, you're like, I don't even know who stole my packages. Imagine like (laughs) suspecting your neighbor of being a serial shooter. And just like nodding at them like, hi. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Oh, my God. And so the Omega task force was actually notified, but detectives had received thousands of reports of son of Sam suspects. And so they were having a difficult time sifting through all the dead end leads. So that sucks. I feel like it just kind of sat on their desk for a while. It was not Omega. Yeah, it was not whatever. I don't know what Omega means, but yeah, it was, it was definitely not alpha. 
it was not alpha. And then, okay, so on May 30th, 1977, another letter pops up. Jimmy Breslin from the Daily News gets the second Son of Sam letter. It was postmarked from Inglewood, New Jersey. Shout out. Shouts out. (laughs) And the envelope had blood and family, darkness and death, absolute depravity, 44, written on it. Sure. The letter said, among other things, hello from the gutters of NYC. You must not forget Donna Loria, and you cannot let the people forget her either. She was a very, very sweet girl, but Sam's a thirsty lad, and he won't let me stop killing until he gets his fill of blood. What the hell? Like, what is going on? I feel like it's it's definitely not like the Zodiac letters, which are like, haha, you'll never catch me. This is like definitely something else. That's like... I was going to say it's not of God and I right? it's not of anything we know because there's no base. I don't even know what the basis Truly. is besides a demonic dog. Legit. And then this letter also included some names, which son of Sam said was to like help you along you being, I guess, the police. The police. And those names were the- these names. Listen to these names and let us know if you think they would help you along with. this. Yeah, case. I feel like some of these were like some Ames green names. He, we, <laughs> we've got here's our list of suspects. We got the Duke of Death. The Wicked King Wicker. That sounds like a pub. It does. I would go there. Yeah. Um, the 22 Disciples of Hell and John Wheaties. <laughs> oh. OK, so, yeah, I'm sure the police are like, oh, yeah, we'll get right on the Duke of Death. Duke of Death. <laughs> and then the letter also referenced July 29th, which was the date of the first shooting. And police thought that meant that the shooter might strike again on that day. Um, the letter was published a week after it was received and it sent the city into a panic. Women were cutting their hair and dyeing their hair so as not to be seen out with long, dark hair. It was Bob Central, thoroughly modern Millie. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And then June 26, 1977, he struck again in Bayside, Queens. Again, the victims were two people who were sitting in a car, Sal Lupo and Judy Placido. They both survived, but neither of them saw the shooter who fired three shots at them. However, witnesses did see a tall, stocky man with dark hair leaving the crime scene. And some witnesses also saw a blonde man with a mustache driving in the same area. I think Mm. police thought that that was Berkowitz with a wig. Oh, that could be wig, as Katy Perry would say. (laughs) Yes. And then July 31st, 1977, which was two days after the first anniversary of the shootings. This one was a huge deal um, because... Stacy Moskowitz and Robert Violante were sitting in Robert's car in Brooklyn and Berkowitz came up and shot them and Moskowitz died at the hospital, but Robert survived. And I think what really sent people into a frenzy was that Moskowitz did not have long, dark hair. And so people were just like scared as fuck. Fair. It's a, it's a scary like yeah. situation. I feel like I'm like, it's so insane too that an entire city was put on such high alert for one person too. Yeah. And um, witnesses did recall seeing a yellow car flee the scene. This yellow car. Also, it's the most obnoxious color of a car for like- I know. How are you going to drive a yellow car when you're a serial killer? Yeah. And also, I feel like the insurance on a yellow car is much harder because like bright colors are not good. I think that's what they say about red cars for sure. I know. Yeah. Which, uh, so hopefully he had a good insurance deal, I guess. Who knows? But what we do know is that he was caught. And these notes that he was so obsessed with were the beginning of his downfall. It's always, they get a little too cocky. They're a little too comfortable. And this is where things start to turn for them. Yep. 
So Berkowitz kept antagonizing his suspicious neighbors with notes too. So they were just fucking notes galore. It was notes app apologies, but not of apologies. Uh, right. <laughs> so one time a neighbor came home and noticed a fire near his apartment. So again with the fires. What he used to what he used to do. It's his thing. The neighbor called the police who realized setting fires was part of Berkowitz's uh, modus operandi, if you will, his M.O. Uh, I just put that. I mean, that wasn't part of the shootings, but like they noticed that he he's a, a history of setting fires. Yeah, he sets fire to the rain, as Adele would say. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. This is when the, this is when the air conditioning. You would take that back. Not in the good name of Adele. Adele uh, we'll tell her to release a new album and I'll, I will. <laughs> uh, they figured out his car and license plate number and put him on notice because obviously they were able to figure out who his neighbor was. Hold on, yards like that. Uh, that tip, the tip, the tip that broke the case was from a 49-year-old woman named Cecilia Davis. Shout the fuck out to her. It really shouts out. 49 years young. She's 50, 50 and fabulous. <laughs> living her best life. So she lived near where Stacy Moskowitz was killed. Now this just feels like drama. Like, so she lived near Stacy Moskowitz. This is how like my mom starts every story about like someone from our town. Who, like, <laughs> oh is my God, truly. <laughs> but she was near her who was killed and was walking her dog at 2.30 a.m. on the night of the murder. Shouts out to Snowflake. I think that was the name of the dog who had to pee at 2.30 in the morning. Oh, I was going to say, I'm like, Cecilia's a boss that's fucking bitch being like, yeah, I'll walk my dog. There's murderers going around. I'm going to walk my fucking dog. Try that is me. actually Try me. <laughs> crazy. Yeah, I'd be like, all right, you're peeing on the rug and it's fine. I'll oh, get no. the rug. Exactly. I'll just, we'll do, we'll do some ruggables. Uh, she reported that a man, quote unquote, who walks strange like a cat, came up to her on her sidewalk, looked directly at her and then walked past. I've got to say, how does a person walk like a cat? Like, what does that entail? Like slinking? I feel like I feel like you go shoulder <laughs> first then if you're walking like a cat. Okay, yes, I can see that. Something in that. Because I'm like, if we're doing it not on all fours, I fail to see how <laughs> this is really like translating. Uh, but I can get behind the shoulder first walking. Really a little yeah. like kind of a, yeah. So she said that he held his arms up stiffly, okay, as if he had something concealed, concealed under his sleeves. Mm-hmm. Like a gun. Mm-hmm. And then five minutes later, she heard gunshots and a car horn. Then she also remembered seeing a cop tagging a cream-colored car that was parked illegally near a fire hydrant one block away from where the murder took place. Turns out Berkowitz was using his own car with his actual plates that he would use like every day as the getaway car. Idiot. So then this, this goes to show you when people talk about petty crimes... And you're like, do parking tickets matter? If you're going to try to be a murderer, they do. Because when police checked the parking tickets that were issued that night, it led them to Berkowitz. I mean, this is like my favorite. I mean, this is probably top three favorite serial killer captures. First one, obviously, BTK with the floppy disk. Oh, yeah, with the floppy (laughs) disk. This one with the parking ticket. There's some, it's really kind of the most insane things how that works out. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. So this also then led on August 10th, 1977, the police to search his car where they found a rifle, duffel bag filled with ammo, another son of Sam letter, and maps of the crime scenes. I mean, look, him, he's done. That's like, some fucking guilt. You, how do you explain it. that? You can't be like, um, uh, I was at Payless. Also, so- those notes were handwritten. Yeah, I guess this is, well, this is the importance. Well, maybe I guess he didn't have, uh, there wasn't as common like handwriting analysis everywhere, but... 
feel like there was. A field that I'm always so interested in. Yeah, where was that? Maybe his maybe his handwriting wasn't readily available places. But I guess it probably was because he was in the army, so we had to have paperwork for that. Yeah. Well, I just mean they could have compared it with the other letters. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the letter was addressed to Sergeant Dowd of the Omega Task Force. There we go. <clears throat> I mean, come on. Like, it's like he did it. Boy, he should have yeah. just written, I did it. Yeah. <laughs> In his <laughs> car. Simpson's like, if I did it, this guy's right. like, I did right. it. So they searched his car without a warrant, though. Happens. 75 detectives and like not one of them could get a warrant. None of them was home like at, at the laptop duty. Yeah. Or computer right, duty. I don't know. Didn't happen, but police surrounded him when he left his apartment and he was carrying the kind of gun used in the shootings in a paper bag. And when the cops confronted him, he said, I guess this is the end of the trail. Guess this is the end of the road. Who is that? Boys to men. Ooh, ooh, at the end of the road. Ooh, ooh, you listen to Boys to Men tonight. I'm excited. Uh, when he was arrested, he supposedly told police, well, you got me. How come it took you such a long time? I mean, honestly, 75 people. Two, like, wasn't it two, and then 200 pol- like uniformed people. Yeah. A lot of fucking people. And, and a dog had to f- do it. <laughs> yeah. Like 75 people. Not one of them could get to this tip. That was actually the right tip. Honey, sometimes you need it takes a lot of people to find the right tip. And that's just a lesson you learn here. Not a true crime podcast. <laughs> <laughs> You heard it here first, everyone. <laughs> okay, so the aftermath is pretty swift. Berkowitz was charged with murdering six people and wounding seven others. Initially, his defense was focused on proving that Berkowitz wasn't fit to stand trial um, because of mental insanity. And he basically kept insisting that the demon dogs forced him to kill. I don't know if dog like it's like my dog ate my homework times yeah, a million. Dog ate my homework. Dog made me murder. I don't know about it. It did not hold up. So because after multiple rounds of psychiatric evaluations, it was decided that he had the mental capacity to understand what he'd done. So he stood trial. He ended up pleading guilty. He was sentenced to 25 years for each murder, which was the maximum sentence at the time. And then in 1979, he um, held a press conference and said the whole claims about demonic possession were a hoax, which like no duh. Also, I'm like always still so confused how like, Criminals can just hold press conferences. That's like a good point. Like how, like if I wanted to hold a press conference, I couldn't, you know what I mean? Like, how did he get, how right. He... I mean, where's my press conference? Yeah, I have exactly. some announcements. <laughs> I got things to say. <laughs> I have things to say. <laughs> well, he was doing like, he did that interview in, in what looked like a studio with Maury Terry. Yeah. Weird. And Berkowitz also told a court appointed psychiatrist that um, basically it wasn't demonic possession. He was lashing out because he was angry uh, after feeling rejected by the world, especially women. I mean, it's like a tale as old as time. Oh my God, it's so fucking annoying. White man people, like, like murders people because women rejected him. <laughs> it's like, then I was like, dude, you're, so you're sad you got rejected. What about woman murdered because you're sad you didn't get a date? Like, what the fuck? It's so annoying. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, there, there's not really m- many updates. In 1990, um, he was moved from Attica Correctional Facility to Sullivan Correctional Facility, where he remains to this day. And weird. in 2011, he said he'd stop seeking parole. And so, I mean, he's there. I think I read something about him converting to Christianity, but don't that quote tracks. me on that because I'm not sure. 
I mean, I just feel like they always you always find something when you're in uh, when you're in prison. Yeah, I mean, you need a hobby. So well, maybe also because now he'd be like, okay, now maybe now that he converted, he's like, oh, now I get why everyone thinks my name made me look religious. Right. In the market for investment worthy bags, watches and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. So then, like, the question becomes that was posed by the Netflix documentary Sons of Sam was, was Berkowitz acting alone? I, yeah, I mean, it's an interesting theory, I guess. Uh, one that yeah. uh, before. So we'll get we'll, we'll get into it first and then we can then we can discuss our opinion. Yeah, I'll talk a little bit about it. I mean, I think the main person who was pushing this theory was Maury Terry, who was a yes. journalist and he was like in contact with Berkowitz a lot. Apparently, Berkowitz told him in 1997 that he was working with a group who were, quote, working with Satan to try to bring a lot of chaos. I mean, aren't we all? But then also it's like this man lied so much throughout all this. So why would you think now he's just like randomly telling the truth? Exactly. And also the people that were Satan were dogs. So were these people he was working with just cats? You know what I I mean? mean, Because he's walking like a cat. So there's that. Yeah. (laughs) Walking like a cat. But but possessed by the dogs. Very, very complicated guy. And te- well, Terry believed that he worked with these two people, John and Michael Carr. Which side who, note, because I looked this up because I was curious, no relation to John Mark Carr, who was the man who confessed to killing John Benet Ramsey, but I think was like out of the country at that time. Out of the country. But um, if you remember, because we had the call back to one of his neighbors, whose name was Sam Carr. Yeah. So well, like that had- was their dad and yeah. they were neighbors. And exactly. So like, could they have been buddies like that? Who knows? In Berkowitz's letter to Jimmy Breslin in 1977, one of the names he gave was John Wheaties, and he described this person as a rapist and suffocator of young girls. Good guy, sure. Terry told the journalist John Hockenberry that John Carr's nickname was Wheaties. Mm. And he was also listed as John Wheat Carr in a phone book. I don't know what name that is. Yeah. And like we said, the reveal of their last name, their father is Sam. And then it got even more interesting because the neighbors said that Sam would lock his children up if they misbehaved. And one of the son of Sam letters read, when father Sam gets drunk, he gets mean. He beats his family. Sometimes he ties me up to the back of the house. Other times he locks me in the garage. And remember all those stupid names we talked about? Remember the Wicked King Wicker? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, John and Mark lived on Wicker Street. Mm. Riddle us that. Um, here's another point: um, is that one of the composite sketches looked like John, but none of them really looked like Berkowitz. That said, I feel like we all know that eyewitness testimony is like infamously unreliable. It's literally just a circle and a blob. It's like a Rorschach test. Oh my no god! Way. Remember, it's like the Madeline McCann egg. Oh my god! <laughs> An egg with side bangs. This is who did it? Yeah, I'm like, do I bring that to when I get my haircut? Yeah, but. 
So, like, apparently, according to neighbors, John was in a cult and also killed a dog. I mean, what is with the dogs? But that made me confused because I feel like if the dogs were the communicators, the son of Sam would not want dogs dead. Well, then I feel like you would want to kill the dogs so you don't have to communicate with Satan. Unless you want to communicate with Satan, Mm -hmm. then you're right. I don't know the motives here. That is true. That's a lot of who's on for us. <laughs> we need like math. a string board of connecting yeah. this. <laughs> we need to uh, carry from Homeland. <laughs> and so like then Terry uncovered this cave near where they lived that had like satanic symbols on the walls and blood and also the body of a dog. Well, and Berkowitz said in a letter from prison that he was part of a cult with Carr and one of Carr's friends said um, that Carr was drawing the symbol that son of Sam used in his letters. Mm. Months before they were published anywhere. Hmm. Um, and then it gets even stranger because John Carr died in 1978 in a questionable shooting suicide. So in the months before his death, he was living in an army base in North Dakota. And um, I mean, basically, like the circumstances of him shooting himself were like literally the police were looking for him. And then he shot himself like as they were like knocking on his door. So that's um, there. But months before his death, he was brought into the hospital by an ambulance. And according to a patrol officer who was called to the hospital, Carr was talking about drinking blood or like urine out of a chalice and also was talking about how he was thrown out of a car. Okay. Um, yeah. The officer just thought he was on drugs. Um, but then days prior to that, one of the Catholic churches in the area reported that some of their like religious items have been stolen. So now they were like, maybe they were in this like satanic cult who stole things from the church, church which would track. I, feel, I mean, I don't really know that much about cult. I mean, I know, I don't, I don't know much about like cult stealing from churches all the time, but I, right, would, right. I wouldn't put it past them. I mean, where else are you going to get a ceremonial chalice? I have no idea if that's what that's called. It's probably Etsy though. <laughs> Etsy. Yes, uh, the, I the guess great have... Etsy of 1979. Oh, true. Oh, my God. I, this is why if I, if I could turn back time share style, I'd go back to the 70s and create Etsy. And I guess that also the Internet. So then I'd be. Yes, exactly. Welcome. So also, um, weirdly, Mark Carr was killed in a car accident on um, in October mm. of 1979. Car in the car. I know, right? <laughs> Can't trust him. <laughs> Um, but the accident was also kind of suspect because tire marks indicated someone was maybe trying to run him off the road. Hmm. Um, and then, but like, despite all this, the cars were never questioned or charged. I don't think the police took this theory seriously. They kind of just thought it was like a conspiracy. Which I mean, and also I feel like it's one of those things too, where it's like <clears throat> conspiracy and also the two people that are involved with it are dead. So like what? Are, like, right. I mean, what? I feel like there was also one thing where at one of the shootings, like, People reported seeing Berkowitz like a few blocks away from the shooting, like while the shooting was happening. And like it was a whole thing. Um, Also, this really the documentary really lost me when it started talking about like the Manson family and connections there. I was really confused. So because I feel like I just would like look down and I would hear a phrase that wasn't. I was like, what does it have to do with anything? And then I come back up. It was like true crime bingo. It was like, I mean, it started with these two brothers and I was like, I could believe that. But then I feel like it started becoming like this almost network slash cult that was somehow involved in the Manson family murders. But I don't remember how. And like all these other murders. And I think that's the thing, too. I would have like, I feel like obviously they marketed it as like the son of Sam because like that's the more of the story that everybody knows. But yeah. I'm like, I, w- I would have been more pleasantly it would have been happier as a viewer if it was maybe just like about like like cults or like something like that and this was like an episode of it or something you know what i mean 
I mean, I don't know, because I feel like this this whole theory was like predicated on because of the fact that. that like he wasn't acting alone. But then it was just really sad in the last episode how I mean, Berkowitz just like maybe lied to him or was lying in that interview because I mean, the the like Terry was asking him like really leading questions and Berkowitz was like, yeah, sure. I mean, like, sounds good. <laughs> well, that's the other and was thing. giving I feel him like- nothing. And that kind of just like ended his career. Yeah, and it was such like you're dealing with such like an untrustworthy uh, interviewee too. Right. You're just like, exactly. well, what, what the fuck are you even going to get from this? Yeah, I mean, that was, it was interesting. I mean, I didn't, I really did not love the documentary. <laughs> I'm going to Google, I'm going to say a movie. Because I remember Whoever the narrator was, somebody said it was Paul Giamatti. And I was like, there's no way that's true. Who, who said it was? Someone in my DMs. And I'm like, it, I do not think that that's true. No, I don't think so. Can you Google it? Wait, okay. Oh, and I think the movie that I was I watched was Summers of Sam because it was right. Oh, we movie. watched different ones. Oh no, I, I was talking about. I know I watched uh, the movie that I was talking about earlier that I did like that I watched was that. Oh, one. oh, was it Paul Giamatti? No fucking way. What? What? His voice is too soothing. That should put me to sleep. Like literally, I was like napping on the couch. No, I love that listening man, so to this documentary. Oh, wow. Holy Interesting. Crap. Okay. My mind is blown. Thank you, whoever told me that you were right. And I'm sorry for doubting you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But everyone should watch. It's a it's Spike Lee's take on The Son of Sam Murders, Summer of Sam, 1999 film. I enjoyed it. I think I watched it 12 years ago, so I don't know if it Twelve years <laughs> it ago. good. Yeah. Patty Lapone is in it. So there's all that. Honestly, like I could believe that um, like the, the Carr brothers were an accomplice. I feel like it's too I coincidental could. to not be true i mean they were neighbors i could see it I, I feel like it was one of those things where i could definitely see it but it's one of those it's like if this was like a cold case or like a case where we didn't have anybody or if they were still alive i'd be yeah. like let's get some fucking justice for this but now it's kind of just like okay yeah we'll never I mean, know yeah i could see them having been accomplices but i mean you lost me at this bigger cult thing or um that's kind of where i'm gonna draw the line yeah maybe what will happen is in like i mean i guess it's already been 20 years. I was going to say, in years from now, they'll dig up something in their backyard and cut to here we are. Who knows? Now it's time to bring in Jorge to play a game. I kind of just feel like this game is going to be about guessing people's fathers and sons because Ooh, of Son of Sam. Or the Holy Ghost. <laughs> I'm also like dripping and sweat. Like you're in a sweatshirt. I am so sweating right I now. I know. I can't. Okay. I can explain. <laughs> in this room that I am in, it doesn't matter what temperature it is outside. It is always like 65 degrees. It's absurd. That's my heaven. Coming to live at your apartment. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm squatting. <laughs> it, it's, it's like unexplainable. I At this point, I'm starting to believe there's demons in the walls Wait. or something keeping me cool. Maybe they're demon dogs. Ooh. Maybe. Maybe they are the spirit of uh, Sparky and Pluggy Aww. or whatever their names were. You never know. You never know. So before we get into today's game, I actually found a little news story that I thought we could all have a little laugh about. <laughs> So I'm sure you've heard about how there's been new abortion restrictions that are passing all around the country, much to the detriment of society in general. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. What's the funny part? I was well. I was about to be like, "What a buzzkill!" That I realized we just talked about the son of Sam. So, right? (laughs) True. That is true. So, one of the states that's really championing these restrictions is Texas, Mm. to no one's surprise. Classic. But 
in a bizarre twist of fate, the Satanic Temple is actually suing Texas yeah. for uh, uh, impeding uh, 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 her religious abortion rituals. Oh, <laughs> is that the PR spin we need? I don't know. But like, if it works, I'll take it. I, I like know, right? I'm- How do I donate to this Satanic Temple? So if you're interested in donating, you can go to the satanictemple.com and they're asking for donations of $666. Ah. <laughs> can I give you six dollars and sixty-six cents? I was about to say that. That's what I can handle. Yeah. Here's from their website. They're saying, "I am sure Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton, who famously spends a good deal of his time composing press releases about religious liberty, will be proud to see that Texas' robust religious liberty laws, which he so vociferously champions, will prevent future abortion rituals from being interrupted by superfluous government restrictions meant only to shame and harass those seeking an abortion." Now, that's a good rebuttal. Shit. I mean, you know, if Planned Parenthood has to rebrand as a satanic temple, like so be it. Well, and here is also something I learned that I wish I uh, could bring more to the table right now because I kind of forgot some of it. But like <laughs> satanic, the ideas of like s- satanic people and worshipers, it's not like they're like going around chanting for the devil. That's just kind of like like a spiritual type of thing. Because I remember like going down a huge like rabbit hole of like learning about them. Not to join, but just curiosity. Yeah, didn't we... I feel like we covered this on Am I the Asshole, but I don't remember if that was with you. Yeah, because it's a whole thing where it's like they just kind of like are like it's more of like things with like other worlds and stuff like that and less of like what we all like hell Lucifer. Exactly. Right. Yeah, I actually did a little bit of digging around, too. And basically, there's two main segments of Satanism. One of them is theologists, which actually believe in like the devil incarnate and actually do satanic rituals. But the other part, they're just atheists who believe in the separation of church and state, you know? So they champion this type of initiative to actually make sure that religious liberties are being followed by taking these positions on these issues. I like that. It's almost like finding like a loophole to call out the hypocrisy that is happening. That's absolutely like that. I mean, if I like they ha- it. Do they have any special numbers for them? That's like around a hundred dollars. Cause I don't know if I could uh, to, to help it. I'm like, I, I don't know if I can. Yeah. You can do it whatever you want. That's just one of their options. Oh, wait, isn't, that, isn't 13? Like, oh no. 315 is, isn't that another like scary devil time? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I think so. 315. But yeah, if, if you, if you want to help out the Satanists, Go to satanictemple.com. They have a lot of good info about this case. I'm Googling. Hell yeah. Love it. (laughs) We might join. Catch us at the next meeting. (laughs) (laughs) So for today's game, I originally had thought of doing something like Sarah said Ah. with like sons and daughters or whatever. But I started digging around about this year, specifically 1977, and found that their Billboard's Top 100 of music Ooh. is stacked. <gasps> oh yeah. So let's go. We're gonna play Ooh. a little audio round today. Okay. In which I'm gonna play really bad covers of a bunch of songs <laughs> on this um, this list, and the first person to guess it right will get a point. The song and on or top like of that, the artist. The song. Okay. Let's it, yeah. The song specifically, and on top of that, after you guess it. You will both guess what number it was on the charts, and whoever is closest will get an additional point. Okay. So re- lots of points today. Okay. Lots All of right. opportunities lot of points. for upsets. I've recently dived into disco too recently, so gotten big into it. So here's something that has helped me out. <laughs> All right. First up. 
Jones. Oh, Hotel California. Yeah, that was good. Well done, Danny. Yes. On the board. Hotel California by the Eagles. That was a fantastic reggae cover. I was going to say, I vibed to by that. By Tropa Vibes on YouTube. Ooh. Check them out if you want. Yeah, shout out. Shout out to Sayin and these reggaeton covers on uh, YouTube. <laughs> Uh, All right, Danny, what number was this on the Billboard chart? That was a big song, but I'm trying to think the Eagles. I want to say maybe it peaked at eight. All right, Sarah, you get a rebuttal. Do you Um, think it was higher on the chart or lower on the chart? I think it was higher. I'm going to go with three. Danny is correct. (laughs) This was 19 (laughs) on the chart. All right. Not that big. Wow. One of those songs that I think has gotten a lot more popular since that time. I mean, even placing 19 on this yeah, chart is good. a pretty big good. accomplishment. So, all right. Danny is leading two to zero. Next up. Is this Creep? No. no. Friday night and the lights alone. Oh, dancing queen. Oh my god. <laughs> well done, Danny. Damn. <laughs> Another good guess. That was Dancing oh. Queen. And that particular cover is brought to us by Puddles Pity Party, who is a sad Love clown. Um, he has a fantastic series of YouTube videos in which he does emo versions of famous happy songs, and it is a hoot. So you know. Check it out. If that's your fetish, right, have a fun Monday night. Yeah. <laughs> what number? I was love this one? I want to ball out because this song just is one of my favorite songs. I'm going to say it was number one because I know ABBA has a number one hit in America and I don't know if it's this one or not. But I'm going to go with that. Stand- I feel like it would be, ugh, I think Dancing Queen would be more than Mamma Mia, but I'm still going to stick with number three. It was number 12 oh. on the chart. Yes. So Sarah is on, on the, the board. board. All right. Justice for Ava. <laughs> I mean, number one is good. All right, next up. Now here you go again. You say. Oh, fuck. <laughs> I'm so Daddy bad. Daddy is on a roll. I have Killing not down. This is like his game, for sure. <laughs> that was Dreams oh. by Fleetwood Mac. And that was uh, a cover by Scary Pockets. Ooh. That was like the funk version. That was fun. It's it's a really fun. good cover, actually, if you want to listen to it. I was it's, say, um, yeah, it's really funky. It's really nice. You know who surprisingly does a great cover of that, too? Wife of a friend of our podcast, Leighton Meester. Oh, yes. She does a really good cover of it. Cool. Who is this? I don't know anything Le- about she's this She's Adam uh, Brody's wife. Leighton Meester, the girl from Gossip Girl. Oh, she yeah. She actually has a really nice singing voice and does just like she country does. folky songs. Yeah. Interesting. I'll have to check that out. All right. What number was this on the chart, Danny? I'm going to go with four. I'm going to go with like 15. Sarah is correct. This was 39 on the chart. The fuck? I know, right? It's one of the best songs. Yeah. It's it's funny, oh, yeah. God, thirty nine. And if anyone has not listened to Rumors, do yourself a favor after listening to this. Oh. It's so good. Oh. What an album, right? It's just perfect. 
It's so good from beginning to end. All right, next up. Oh my God. Is that like fly like an eagle? Sarah is correct. But I don't know the song if that's not the title. So that's it. That's all I got. That is the title, actually, oh, Sarah. Excellent. It is called Fly Like an Eagle. Nailed it. <laughs> this is by Steve Miller Band, and this cover is by Corey Huvel. That's oh. a very nice string of like acoustic covers. This is one of them. All right, Sarah, now you get to guess the number on the chart. I'm going to go with like 25. Good guess. Danny? Sarah is correct. This was 28 on the chart. So very close. That was a close one. one. Wow, another point for Sarah. And it is a tie game. Look at that. Who would have thought? (laughs) Thunk it from behind. Look at you going. You're flying like an eagle. (laughs) Yeah. We love it. All right, next up. Is this Don't Rain on My Parade? No. No. Oh, my other song. Oh, the Hollow Notes one. You can yep. get by yeah, wow. on your old man's money. Oh, that's a banger. Oh, man's money, you're a rich girl. Oh, yeah. That was Rich Girl by Hollow Notes. Well, guessed Sarah again. (laughs) That was a jazzy cover by Robin Adele Anderson. Oh, that's really fun. They did that cover in the middle of quarantine, and it's it's a lot of fun to watch it. So Mm. what place do I think it's in? I mean, the question is, like, what bands do I think were biggest in the 70s? And, like, I just feel like it's disco stuff. But Hall & Oates are huge. No, but I feel like Hall & Oates were so big. I'm going to go with number nine. Ooh, okay. Danny? I'm going to do... I don't know if they were that big. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Maybe, like, 25? Danny is correct. Ooh. This was 23. Oh, oh okay. Song. And if you've noticed a pattern, all of these songs that we all know and love so well weren't even that high up on the chart. So yeah. what Weird. was number one at this time? Um, I'll tell you after. Okay. Ooh. All right. Next up. Girl. I don't know. It's such a good song. So I, I really do love Hollow Notes. It does slap. All right. Next up. Oh my god. It's like pitch perfect. <laughs> no, I feel like I know this one. Oh. oh god damn it. Oh my god. I know the song. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, oh the car wash. Yes! Well done. <laughs> Good get. <laughs> Okay, Car Wash, now we know that song was about. Come oh, on. I was like, I'm like, this better be fucking number one, and that's just that. Right? The Car Wash was good. Wow. I also remember the movie Car Wash that came out like. Oh, uh, yeah, with Will Smith. Yeah. Okay. 
I want to put this in at like four. Shit. I was going to say like nine. The correct answer was 26. No! Damn. See, because now you, gotta over, you have to over, like, shoot what you would want it to be now. I'm underwhelming them. I know. Now I should, you got to like overshoot. Because I thought these all would be number one. <laughs> Same. <laughs> That was the game. <laughs> Do you guys actually know who the artist of the song is? I feel like I know this because mm. we did it in a skit one time. But no. Their name is Rose Royce. Oh, that's fun. Oh, I like that yeah. as a name. I had no idea. Never heard that before. Yeah, no, never. Good for trivia. Uh, yeah, right. And this cover was brought to us by Bailey Pelkman. And it's really cool. It's actually all looped. Like she did all those layers on a loop pedal oh. and then started singing over it. It's it's pretty cool watch. Oh, I like yeah. that. Check it out. Okay, go, Bailey. All right. So after six rounds of play, we got a tie game, ladies all and right. gentlemen. Six to six. Okay, we're all donating right. to Satan. Honestly, yeah, I, I, I'm down. <laughs> That's a perfect one. <laughs> all right, this is the last song. Oh, so shit. for all the marbles. Oh no. Music is a world within itself. With a language we all understand With an equal opportunity For all to sing, dance and clap their hands And just because a record has a groove It don't make it in the groove And you can tell right away with the Seeing lost faces out there the people start to move <laughs> You can feel it all over. Oh, 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 um. You can feel it all Fuck, I know it's by Stevie Wonder. Is that it? is correct, Danny. You can feel it all over. <laughs> you can feel it all over. <laughs> you can oh, feel no. it all over. All right, so I, I guess... <laughs> I'm going to play the real song to see if that'll jock your memories. Okay. I, I feel like I can sing it on the... Like, yeah. Fuck. I know like one CB Wonder song. Oh. Nope. It's a classic, Sarah. Like I know I've heard this before, but I never knew the name of it. The, the name of the song has a very uh, prestigious title. Oh, oh Sir Duke. Duke. There you oh, go, wow. Danny. I would have never guessed that in a million <laughs> well years. Good oh, job. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. That Like, I have a migraine out. That was... Yeah. <laughs> uh, that song is so good, though. It's a great song. Oh, it, it's... Great bass line. And it's... Because I even remember, because it's from... They redid that album with people, and it won Album of the Year. Oh. Like, in, like, 2002. Like, Joni Mitchell was a part of it, I think. Oh, that's awesome. I think so. Cool. All right, Danny. What number... Was this on the chart? I'm going to go number one because Stevie Wonder. Oh, boy. I mean, I'm going to go with t- 10. The correct answer is 18. Oh! So, Sarah, you have equalized the game. All right. Wow, Stevie. Yeah. I think we should take these numbers to all be a lesson that sometimes it's okay to be number 39. Right? <laughs> That's true. The future will remember you. Very fondly. That's like BB Rex's album that debuted at like 170. And she was like, I'm sad, but you know, I like my album. So there's that. <laughs> all you need. <laughs> all you need is love. Dun, so wait, what was number nah, nah. one? 
All right. So we need a tiebreaker because we're tied. So what we're going to do is that you're both going to name an artist and whoever names the artist that is closest to the top of the list will win. Okay. Uh, Shaka Khan. Is this two before? It's going to go with the Beach Boys. Okay. <laughs> okay, let's uh let's run it back. I literally just want to Google when Shaka Khan okay. was from. <laughs> New guesses. You can't okay. Google. You can't oh, Google that. Oh, what about really? the doors? This is I'm like, <gasps> who did my dad listen oh, to? Oh, um, Led Zeppelin? <laughs> You're both incorrect again. Okay. Wow. <laughs> really, um, Drag us. I don't think he was around then. This was the year was nineteen seventy seven. Was Rod Stewart around then too? No clue. Danny, you just guessed the number one song Which, on this list. Is it Maggie May? The name of the song is Tonight's the Night. Gonna be all right. Wait. Are you Rod Stewart? Shut the fuck what up. What the hell? Yeah. All right, you win. <laughs> Danny is the winner of the 1977 <laughs> Hot 100 singles. Wow. <laughs> Oh my wow. okay. I would have, again, never guessed that in a million years. When I tell you, pull that name out of nowhere. I'm going to go through the top 10 just so uh, we have like a good idea. It was so Andy mad. Gibb. Who's that? I don't know. The Emotions. Never heard of them. Oh. Barbara oh. Streisand was oh. number four. Oh, no way. Evergreen. It's pretty good. Hot with Angel in Your Arms. Puh. Kenny Nolan. Selmy Houston. <gasps> Rita Coolidge. Alan O'Day. Mary McGregor. In Casey and the Sunshine Band. So, oh, okay, so literally no one I would have ever guessed. Okay, I'm, I'm mad because I would have. I love Thelma Thuston, Don't Leave Me This Way. Barbara, love all her music. Damn. Yeah, but it, yeah, it was like, it was a good year for, for music all in all. Um, number 88 on this list was Queen's Somebody to Love. Damn. Could you imagine that? Rough year. <laughs> Rough year for the artists we've heard of. Yeah, lots of competition. <laughs> lots of competition up in the list. Rough. But yeah, Danny, you have won the game. Okay. Congratulations. Woo, that was Go a Rob close Stewart. one. That was a close yeah, that one. was a close one. And although New Yorkers were hiding in their houses from the Son of Sam, they had plenty of good music to keep them entertained at the very least. <laughs> ah, that was That's fun. Well, thank you, Jorge, thank for you. that intense nail biter of a game. God, that was it. Got, it pulled us to our limits. So oh us. yes. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Jorge. Thank you guys so much for listening. I think that about wraps up the son of Sam. Mm-hmm. Um, so please follow us on Instagram at Not Another True Crime. Join the Facebook group. It's Not Another True Crime group. Answer the questions. Tell us you listen to the podcast. We'll let you in. We chat about crimes that are happening in the news. We chat about previous episodes. We chat about multi-level marketing. It's it's a fun time. A little bit of everything, yeah. And then you could also follow us if you wanted to. I'm at Cashmere Danny Cashmere with a K. I'm Sarah Lameem. And also, please give us five stars, rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. And other than that, we thank you for listening and we'll be back next week. Not Another True Crime Podcast is produced by Jorge Morales-Pico and Sean Kilby. Our hosts are Sarah Levine and Danny Murphy. Editing by Jorge Morales-Pico. Social media by Sarah Levine. Be sure to follow at NATC Pod on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And send us your emails to natc at betches.com. Betches.